1: Welcome back to another episode of Ladies Who Launch. Welcome to 2021, which has sort of kicked off like we left off 2020. Unfortunately, maybe maybe February 1st will bring 2021, and we can get over the, the remainder of 2020 that has happened in, in January. Um, but welcome to a new year. Um, I know Dakota and I have sort of hit the ground running with um, business planning and. Our personal goals and objectives. And we kind of got into that in our last episode about how we're doing that whole F the resolutions thing. So we won't get into that today. But what we are going to talk about today is stuff that you can use as business owners and employees in terms of what's going on social media wise and PR wise coming up for 2021. But I know that Dakota is chomping at the bit because she has a massive lady rant today. Is that right?
0: I do. It's, it's really not that exciting. And I feel like kind of a jerk talking about it because there are people out there that might not be able to actually order things online. But anyways, I'm going to get into it in a minute. I just want to say though, like obviously January 1st, nothing big was going to change. Like let's, let's be serious here. Like surprise,
1: surprise. Life is the same. We continue into lockdown into 2021.
0: Let's not get ahead of ourselves. (laughs) If you're looking for coddling, this is not your podcast.
1: (laughs) No, we don't coddle here. There's no coddling.
0: No. Um, Anyways, okay. So in in the spirit of supporting local, um, in the spirit of supporting local, I tried to you know in an effort to continue renovating and putting together my new space order some like Japanese floor pillows online. Locally? (laughs) Well, kind of. Canadian
1: locally. Okay. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: So here I am, you know, just being like, okay, well, I'll spend a little bit of extra money to support a business owner who like makes these from scratch. Um, And on the description, it said that they were like quite large because they're supposed to be floor pillows. Um, oh, I yeah. have. Yeah. So, you know, normally like notwithstanding the scandal that happened last year, I would normally order from like Wayfair or a place that I know it's going to come right away. And it's pretty much going to be what I saw online, whatever. Anyways, I have waited a month and a half for these damn pillows. I ordered three of them. They were like a hundred dollars each. Cause they're, you know, handmade big. and all this crap and big. And what happens, I get one and another pillow that I didn't order sent to me today. The other one's missing. I don't know where it is. And they are the tiniest pillows. Like I could barely fit half of my butt on one of them. Like, and and I'm not saying like, that's not saying enough about like a lot about my butt being big or anything. (laughs) Seriously, like these pillows are freaking tiny. And I'm like, I spent three hundred dollars on this. Like, are are you serious? So, anyways, I'm just really annoyed because I tried to support local. Like, I tried to support a business owner, and I've like. And then the worst part about it is I can't freaking get a hold of anybody, like at no. all, to return them.
1: No. Yeah. So it's a Canadian company, like out east or something, like out of Ontario, or. So they're actually in BC. Oh, in BC, okay. I don't want to call them out. No, don't, don't call them out. It's the, yeah, yeah. But it is interesting, and I mean, uh, I'm a, obviously we're all a big proponent for for shopping local and supporting local businesses because I mean we are local businesses ourselves. But I do have to say, I was quite surprised. I mean, you and I went shopping or like browsing um, mm-hmm. in one of Calgary's old, cool, hip neighborhoods just after Christmas um, to go spend some money and support the local businesses. And how many places were closed for Christmas break? It was 5%. shocking. Yeah, it was shocking.
0: Yeah, like, and it wasn't even Christmas break anymore. It was the first week in, wasn't it? The first week in January or the first weekend? Yeah, it was after New Year's, wasn't it? It was like the yeah, second, it was or third well of after New Year's, like yeah. January third or something. Like, I get it that most small businesses might take till Jan fourth off but it was like the weekend after christmas after boxing day during you know a time when boxing day sales are normally taking place and like i get it you know pandemic maybe they're going to take a little bit of extra time off cuz it makes sense but it was truly annoying honestly yeah. cuz i'm not going to go when there's giant lineups like
1: No, and because everybody was off, like we were off work and all of that. But yeah, like your story about the pillows and you you're shopping, you're supporting local, and so you ordered from from a Canadian business and all of that. It's just sort of a lesson that I think people need to learn um, as business owners that um you still compete with Amazon. Like that is a thing. So if people are going out of their way to support you and ordering online, you have to live up to those expectations of the customer now. Now I'm not saying everybody needs Amazon next day prime shipping, but um you do have to provide the service.
0: Yeah. And I like I initially did get a hold of somebody about a month ago when they still hadn't arrived. Um but what was driving me nuts was um I got this email being like they're gonna be there on Friday, which was last week. And I had to I had to shoot out to Vancouver. Um and I was wasn't gonna be here and I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to be here this weekend if they're arriving but, like this weekend. And then nobody could help me. And they're like, no, 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 they've been delivered to like this sorting facility. And I'm just like, okay, well, like, can I talk to whoever your carrier is to, re- to like schedule a delivery? And it was just a whole thing. Um, and yeah, anyways, I'm, I'm
1: And now. You now. Have, and now you have the pillows and you can't reach anyone. I have one pillow and then a pillow that I didn't order
0: and then I'm missing a third pillow.
1: Wow. (laughs) I can't reach anybody. Welcome to 2021. Um, Anyway. Oh, I I think this is, this is kind of a jumping off point for what we want to talk about today in terms of um, businesses and um, some of the trends and some of the things that we're seeing for 2021 and some of the expectations that your customers have for your business. So um, we both have a a long list of notes here in terms of things you want to talk about. And Dakota's going to focus on more of the, the social side and some of the trends coming up from social media. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the PR um, marketing side and and some of the things that we're seeing coming down the pipe and some of the things that um, business owners may want to be aware of to be able to um, implement or uh, engage with before beforehand so they're not trying to play catch up later. So what are some of your um, initial top things for um, Social 2021, Dakota?
0: Honestly, I think before I dive in, I would actually rather hear from you um or like some of your stuff around customer experience and things like that, and then we can kind of go into the more tactical stuff with me, oh,
1: okay, yeah, um, so my things are definitely um related to where we sit in the world right now and as we still find ourselves in um the middle of a pandemic and um some of the key larger issues coming out of this that um are becoming more and more apparent are the the focus on customers over competition and the sort of values uh, over sales. And I think that that sort of started to come about halfway through twenty twenty and definitely is continuing more so into 2021. So one of the first things that um, I've seen on many, many blogs and many um, articles already in 2021 is, could I say 2021 anymore, by the way? Let's just stop that, Um, is health and safety. This is a big thing. And I think this sort of sets the tone for everything else you're going to do this year. And health and safety, I'm not talking about like OH&S and um, what workplace safety and in that, in that vein, it's actually focusing on telling your staff and your customers how you are integrating safety measures in your business, um, moving forward. So that includes everything from cleaning to, um, to different um, operational tactics that you have to implement, whether it's ventilation systems, new ventilation systems in restaurants, because there's a story that's come out um, at the beginning of this year that um, improving ventilation systems in restaurants goes a long way to um, helping relieve COVID um, germs in your facility. But Telling those stories, and I think this is where businesses can really step out of their regular norm, is that if you're able to tell your customers or your prospective customers and especially your staff that you are going above and beyond the government regulations for safety and health um, through the pandemic share those things. And I think people want to see that. People want to know that they're supporting a business that's A, not exploiting their workers by demanding that they come back to an unsafe workplace or um, that as a customer, I can go in and know that if I'm getting a haircut or I'm getting my nails done, that the the standards in that business are over and above um, what is demanded. And this just isn't for service-based businesses. This can go for retail too. If I'm coming into your retail space, I want to know that you're cleaning the, the um, debit machines and the change rooms are cleaned after every use and everything is properly sanitized and all of those sorts of things um, are going to become more and more. And you can share all these like on your social, talk about them, message them. Um, these are all things that are great PR, and great messaging for your business, and people want to hear them.
0: Absolutely. Um, I think I will kind of segue into this now a little bit, Alyssa. So one of the things that I think a lot of businesses aren't really doing um, enough, and it's it's been a trend I've seen since I started Social Centric, is... Establishing an actual sales funnel. like depending on what you're offering, I mean, it could be a service, it could be a product, but you still require what's called a sales funnel. Um, and that's more than just posting on social media every single day. Um, you should really almost have like a plan for, first of all, what is your brand? How are you going to tell your story? What are your key messages? And then on top of that, um, you know, once you've put all that stuff out there for people to see, how are you then going to almost reconnect with the people you've already connected with? Um, How are you going to follow up with the people you're connecting with? And really, like, how are you going to continue to get them to follow you and come back for more? And then from there, if you've actually captured a consumer, how are you going to collect their information um, and then potentially reuse it later or, you know, ensure that you're providing them with data or information to make sure that you're top of mind for another opportunity. So making sure that you've got kind of a sales funnel plan, which should be included in, in your overall marketing objectives and goals. Uh, and part of what Alyssa is saying should kind of be part of that is the storytelling piece. So making sure that at the beginning of this year you are re-establishing or establishing your sales funnel. Which can encompass so many different things, but
1: yeah, I was going to say, can you give an example of a sales funnel? What that just basically yeah. look like? So,
0: depending on kind of what um, service offering you have or product you have, it can be anything from Shopify uh, to something called Active. There's a there's a really great platform out there that I really like that I recommend to clients all the time called Active Demand. And really what a sales funnel is um, outside of like the textbook sales funnel that you can honestly just Google and kind of read up for yourself because it would take an entire episode for me <laughs> to explain what it is. Yeah. Um, my best example of a sales funnel is is like software that you can use to sell your product, connect with your consumers, and then have follow through with them after. Um, one of my favorites, as I was saying, is Active Demand. Another that I really like is HubSpot. Um, and then, you know, if you if you are a product, if you have a product offering, and you're a small business, Shopify, in and of itself, actually, as well as Etsy, are also sort of sales funnels that you can utilize. And and what this is is it instead of having like ten or fifteen different apps you can pick one that will hopefully centralize all of your activities. And a lot of these applications, um, mostly Active Demand and others like it, will help you to also do social media posting. Um, It'll help you to send out e-blasts, but it'll also help to track all of your data um, as far as your consumers go so that you can utilize it later. So when I refer to sales funnel, um, I'm, I'm referring to kind of the The big machine that will help you execute on your marketing activities. And we can yeah. link, link back to some of these resources in the show notes as
1: well. They are really, really powerful. And I think more um, people need to think about how, um, not just how they're attracting their customers, but how they are walking their customers through the process and how they um, create a community around their business. And I think what we've seen through COVID is that um, those businesses that had done a good job of that prior had a very um, engaged community that they were able to rely on through COVID. And those businesses that realized that, oh my God, now I have to try to figure out how to build a community to get people to know I exist, um, had an uphill battle. And so I think um, that's just a a good system to get into. I mean, even from our perspective as service providers, I use a funnel system, not to those extents, because um, I'm smaller. But I mean, you you use your newsletter platform as a way to collect emails and keep people engaged, and you um, ensure that um, your current customers and past customers are kept abreast of things you're doing. All those sorts of things. So even from our perspective, from like consultant or so like one person operation kind of things, mm-hmm. it's valuable to always have um, a funnel of how you're um, keeping your community engaged of what what you're doing. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, and that's a really good example as well. Um, <clears throat> again, talking about the bigger picture, sales funnel is a little bit complicated, but your e-blast, your social media, your blogging, how you connect with your customers, how you follow up with your customers, that's all part of your sales funnel. And so my biggest suggestion would be to figure out some sort of an application or plan to have so that you can keep on top of everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think is to jump off from this as we start talking about customers and um, and how we're engaging them. Yes. One of the big trends um, for 2021 and um, from a messaging and PR perspective is the socially conscious consumer. And I think through COVID, people have become much more um, astute on where they're spending their money and how they're spending their money. Like we talked earlier about supporting local businesses and things like that. And there's sort of this this general... Um, malaise about supporting the Amazons of the world and those sorts of things. Um, But beyond that, people are becoming much more um, astute in terms of what you stand for as a business. And one of the the phrases that jumped out at me as I was doing um, research on this was um, values, not just messaging. And I think from a PR perspective, um, this is important because as communicators, we always get caught up in, oh, key messages and this, that, and the other. But those key messages don't always reflect the values of your organization. And I think people are becoming smarter and um, that you can't just sort of go out and there's no more lip service to things anymore. You actually have to put proof in the pudding and your values as an as a company need to be at the forefront. And I think you can see th- through this pandemic, um, the companies that have shifted their... Um, Marketing strategies to be more um, socially focused and more values focused over sales focused have been much more successful than those that have continued to try to just push the sales. People aren't interested in that anymore, and companies have to be much more um, cognizant of how they're talking, um, the things that they're involved in, um, and how they're presenting themselves um, as as a brand and the things that they value over just pushing um, sales
0: absolutely and that would bring me to from a digital and social media standpoint and really just a marketing standpoint period two things that i would also recommend doing you know as soon as possible this year is a thorough audience analysis you should always be know you should always know who you're talking to online and why you're using the ch- the channels and mediums that you're using so whether that's you know, doing heavy advertising on Google, Facebook, or Instagram, or even LinkedIn, um, you know, what you're pushing social media posts out on and like how often, um, as well as, you know, even your e-blasts and blogging, really look at each piece individually and figure out what works last year, what you want to do this year, what you have time to do this year. And I would ditch the stuff that wasn't really serving you last year. Um, and I would really take a hard look at your audience. As an example, if your audience is 55 plus, let's say, maybe you have a you know a product that that audience really loves, or you've got let's say like a like a cottage property that that specific audience really likes to come out to. Um, you're probably not going to want to do the bulk of your promotion on Instagram. You're going to want to really focus in other areas such as Facebook and then outside of social media. You're, maybe you're going to want to put to get together a lofty subscription list for an eblast that they all might really enjoy, right? Um, or you want to focus on, you know, phone calls and cold calling and things like that. Um, not everything is on social. Um, you know, a lot of like everybody uses social... But it, it's certainly not the biggest piece of the pie, and you and you do really need to kind of consider that within your marketing strategy.
1: Yeah, it's very true. I think um, there's been a interesting push in the last um, few years or so that everybody be on Instagram and everybody do this, and and um, but no, that's, that's not is true. It. It's not yeah. true. Um, right, and I think, crazy. And I think businesses also try to do too much. I always tell people like pick one that where your audience is, like you just An said, excel if your audience, at it. and excel at it. Like if yeah. you are sort of mediocre at four different channels, that's a waste of time and energy. So if your audience is on Facebook, be on Facebook 100% and kick ass.
0: Absolutely. Like a really great example, I would say is content regurgitation across multiple channels. While when you are first getting started and you don't have a ton of time, let's say your audience is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or let's say you've got an adult focused audience on Facebook and uh, Twitter, and then you've got like, maybe your stakeholders are there and they're kind of, you know, 25 to 45. And then let's say you've got some youth you want to target on Instagram or Snapchat. Um, You have to then take time to craft individual messaging for both of those audiences. So you can't really regurgitate as it is. But what I would say is, as a general rule, if you don't have a ton of time, you know, do that for a little while just to get really good engaging content up. But then I would highly recommend after three months maximum, really looking back to understand what is your mission for each of these channels? Who are you trying to target? And crafting individual posts for each channel, which is why we're saying don't try to be everything to everyone at once. It's just going to be a, a bit of a waste of time.
1: Yeah, there's nothing worse in my opinion than seeing those auto reposts across yeah. all channels. Oh, it's so irritating cuz quite frankly most of your audience probably crosses over to multiple channels. So if I'm following someone on Instagram and Facebook and whatever and I see just the like the auto post from their like mm. their their social posting service like Hootsuite or whatever, I'm just like seriously, that is the laziest. And that just shows that you don't care about me. It's mm-hmm. just about pushing out content, not that you actually want to talk to me in any um, way, shape, or form. Um, but this sort of leaps off into this other area too of of um, engaging and um, sort of going where your audience is. And right now, um, we are all online. That's where we exist because we're all at home. Um, everything's on Zoom. Everything's on... Um, Google Meets or whatever platform that you're using in your for, in your business. Um, and that's going to continue into this year as well and only becoming more and more uh, focused. So for example, live streaming is going to be a, a trend coming up for this year. And that means like live in-person, live real-time chats, um, live streaming events. So conferences, things like that. Um, If you had a conference that you put on on Zoom last year and just to be able to do your conference and you were able to switch to Zoom, which is a huge opportunity, this year your audience is going to expect more. They're going to expect more of an interactive experience. They're going to expect more sort of bells and whistles in your um, online conference um, and more opportunity for um, real time chats and and getting like more networking with each other, even though it is online. So take a look at what you're off, what you're doing on your platforms. Like if you, if you have just a a free Zoom platform, maybe you have to upgrade to get the paid version so you can do have more options and and um and 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 be able to host more people. Maybe it's looking at more of a structured conference software. I had a did a couple online conferences this year that had this amazing um in interface where you could actually see the 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 tables you were sitting at and you could move around to different tables and see who was at each and, and be able to talk to people. It was really cool. So you're going to have to up your game in terms of the online, um, event space. And that even just means, um, rethinking how you're doing one-on-one, um, meetings online. What does that look like? How can you make that more personalized? How can you make that more interesting to the person that you're, um, talking with? The other thing, um, and we are in this space right now, but podcasting is going to be, um, very big going forward. Mainly, as we talked about, it's a way to reach your audience. You don't need to be Tim Ferriss on on podcasting. Nobody like, or, or Brené Brown or any of the huge big podcasters that we listen to. If you have a niche audience that you know, and you have things that you wanna say to them, and you have an expertise that you wanna share, start a podcast. It's not expensive. It's not arduous. And you're able to reach those people directly and talk directly to them. And they were even talking about, um, doing live podcasting. Like you can, um, live stream through YouTube, um, doing your podcasting. And Dakota and I've even talked about that um, Mm -hmm. and and maybe, um, doing a few of those this year too, in terms of having, um, being able to, to interact directly um, with our listeners as we're podcasting. So those are the kind of things that you're going to have to think about as a business owner of how you create personalized experiences in an online world. Absolutely. Yeah. The other thing too, um, Alyssa, do you remember what that software was called? My chance,
0: we can link to it in the notes and figure it out.
1: I will try guys. to find, I know there's one called yeah. hop Hop in, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forget what this one was, was called, but it was really cool. And well, if I, if I find it I we'll put it in the show notes. Cause it's really awesome.
0: Yeah. And, and to that end as well, um, I would recommend like a really hefty buildup, not annoying, but hefty, you know, like get onto your Instagram stories, get onto your, your live face, your Facebook live, and maybe give people sort of a tidbit of what the conference is going to entail maybe once a day leading up for the for like the five days leading up. Or do some kind of cool interactive sort of like holding room with your with your guests before the conference starts, almost like a cocktail a virtual cocktail hour or something like that. Um, if you have the budget, something really cool that you could do if your event is, you know, less than 50 people is you could support a local business and maybe send hopefully not have an experience like I had earlier today but maybe send like a local box of goodies to all of your attendees that you can unbox together at your like pre-cocktail event or that and they can maybe mix a cocktail from a local, you know, store or something like that. Um, so just getting really creative in that sense. But one thing I also wanted to throw out there is something called Twitter talks. So these have really gained popularity over the last year, especially in the nonprofit space. I can't tell you how many of them I did for nonprofit clients uh, this past year. But what Twitter talks are, is essentially, you you get a bunch of people together on Twitter, and, and you have a discussion, you have a panel. And um, and it can be as structured or unstructured as you would like. You can prep all of your questions and graphics ahead of time to kind of, you know, make sure that it, it runs smoothly. Um, or you can kind of just have an open forum where everybody's kind of chatting. Um, but one thing you will want to have with a Twitter talk is somebody at the forefront to capture all the information, retweet it, that kind of thing as well. But those guys have gained a lot of notoriety over the last year and have been a great tool. To connect with audiences as well as to really build up a, a lot of engagement over a very short period of time. We've seen a lot of followership come out of, come of, come out of those as well. Um, one of the biggest things I wanna say from a social standpoint for 2021, um, and Alyssa kind of already touched on this a little bit, but really focus on your engagement. Really don't focus on the vanity metrics this year. Followers and views are still important, but they're not as important as engagement. Engagement, we have to remember, is a tangible analytic that we actually can see happening before our eyes and almost like always can translate into a sale or some sort of a consumer business interaction. So, a B2C interaction. Um, When we're looking at views and followers, which we like to call vanity metrics, they make us look good but we can't really track or figure out how those convert. Um, So really focus on your engagement. How many people are commenting on, sharing, messaging you, clicking on your website, stuff like that. Even stay away from likes on a post and really focus in on the the communication, the discussion, the messaging, um, and again, the clicks to your website. And back to the sales funnel as well, I would recommend looking at investing in a couple of different applications, which again, we will link to in the show notes because a lot of these applications will also interface with your website to show you what's happening on your website as well so that you can really kind of understand how things are converting. Um, And you can look too to see if your social media content is resonating and resulting in link clicks to your website and then potentially a sale or something of the like.
1: So yeah yeah if people aren't um if people aren't moving from your instagram feed to your website or you're not um you're not connecting them in any way, um it's you're just posting photos on Instagram um you're losing those people you have to think of your i mean you have to think of your website as your calling card so your your social feeds or your um e blasts or any of that all should direct people back to your website because that's where you're going to um convert that's where you can actually lay like lay it out in terms of what you do what you're offering all of those sorts of things and you can track people's usage. And I mean, Dakota can probably go into a bit more. We can maybe do another episode about this, but about Facebook pixels and all those sorts of things in terms of tracking um, who's visiting your site and, and you're able to, um, to capture their information, all those sorts of things. But don't forget that you have invested and you hopefully have invested um, a good chunk of money into your website, whether it's just a whether it's just, a, a, whether it's just a, a website like Squarespace that you just sort of put up, that's fine. Or whether you've invested into a Shopify site if you're a, um, a product consumer, like Shopify is not cheap. So you want to make sure that you're getting people there to actually um, then make the sale.
0: Absolutely. And I do want to point out that, well, I do agree that two of the biggest things you should be looking at spending some some good money on, obviously within reason, and do your homework to make sure you're working with... Um, a professional that knows what they're doing, but that's your branding and your website. Um, sometimes businesses, and I'm going to call it real estate agents here, will only have a landing page. And you know sometimes we build advertising campaigns and social campaigns around just landing pages. So it's okay also to just have a landing page but make sure you're putting in the work and the due diligence to ensure your keywording is is correct and, and really resonant on that page, as well as that that page in and of itself offers something to the consumer that is of value to them. So you don't have to have a super expensive website. You can work with a landing page
1: as well. Um, as long as your landing page wasn't last updated five years ago. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Which happens a lot. Um, but in terms of sort of looking at this whole branding um, exercise at the beginning of the year to see um, areas where you're you've changed your brand or whether you where you need to elevate, the other big thing that is going to be very uh, much in the forefront um, this coming year is your your stance and your um, directives on diversity, equity, inclusion. So it's called DEI and large corporations even have uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, full-time staff now to ensure that they're um, meeting requirements. But as a small business owner, obviously you're not going to have a staff, but um, in terms of doing sort of a brand audit, as you, move into a new year, um, you really need to start looking at how you are reflecting um, diversity and inclusion um, in your branding. So what do your images look like? Are they just white people or do you have a, a an array of faces that you are showcasing um, through your brand? Um, what is your staffing look like? Um, Because sometimes um, we can get very uh, biased in our own staff hiring and hire people who look like us or talk like us. And so you have to start thinking of those things as well. And and inclusive, being inclusive in terms of um, making sure that you have closed captioning on your videos that you're producing so that people who can't hear can um, take part in your videos and ensuring that you have um, alt text on your photos so that people who can't see um, will be able to um, be told what the vi- what the visual is. Um, all of those sorts of things, because quite honestly, um, if you're immediately sort of discounting a percentage of the population even um completely like unintentionally you're 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 dismissing a percentage of the population that um would like to engage with your brand um that's a huge loss and i think um it is it's no longer um an option anymore you have to be sort of living your brand like for example even with me um i'm asking to see um perspective clients diversity and inclusion uh, policies um, with um, the companies that they work with I'm also asking like if i'm asked to speak at conferences i'm asking to get a list of their other, Uh, speakers to ensure that there's a diversity of um, thought and diversity of speakers whether it's women or people of color um, because that's my responsibility as my brand and that's what I want to live I don't want to be speaking at conferences that are just all a bunch of white people or white women Um, and it makes other people step up to to walk the walk like I will tell you that the two times that I've asked to see um, companies diversity and inclusion policies like I've kind of gotten like just sort of silence even though they do have something they're just sort of taken aback that somebody would ask but quite honestly that's going to be, become the normal because i i want to work with people who also walk the walk like there's no more um to around this anymore so take a moment to think about how you are representing your brand and if that if you are automatically um excluding people of the population without even intentionally meaning to, um, those are important things to be um, thinking of moving forward.
0: That is such a good point, Alyssa. I'm so happy you brought that up because I mean, this, this should have been a thing and should be a thing for forever, but it's not. It's not. No, and and it hasn't been. No, and it hasn't been. And so, yes, um, really establishing that diversity, equity, and inclusion piece for yourself. you know, and the and the clients and people that you work with and the communities that you support. a couple of social media specific tips with that as well. Um as Alyssa was saying, when you're sourcing photos like stock photos, which is honestly a huge part of my job, um or if you're doing a photo shoot, or you know, if you're considering various audiences, make sure that you are really thoroughly. Including everybody, and I'm not just talking about people of color, I'm not talking about age groups, I'm talking LGBTQ, yeah, I'm talking ni- like non binary, um,
1: people in wheelchairs, people,
0: people in wheel- exactly, yep. yeah, uh, people of, yeah, like ex- exactly, um, yeah, because honestly, if, if you you may not be intentionally doing it, but I know a lot of brands that mm-hmm. I know have that in the back of their mind, but somehow only like white women end up on their social media. Um, Yeah. Or they, or they end up only supporting, you know, the Amazons of the world and, and things like that. And and they don't even know that they're telling that story. So.
1: Yeah. And I think too, I mean, this goes, not even just imagery or things like that, but what is your language? Um, Because there's going to be my next comment. Yeah. 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 I mean, how are you writing your captions? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, what are your, what are your posts look like? What is, what is the, what is the language on your website look like? Like, is it inclusive language or does it, does it, um, is it more heteronormative? And people immediately feel um, put off, like all those things come into play. And yes, it's a tough conversation for us very privileged white people to have, but we're the ones that need to be having it. It's our responsibility to ensure this. It's not people of color. It's not LGBTQ. It's our responsibility to ensure that that's happening. And so um. If you aren't having those hard conversations with yourself or your staff or your business partner or whatever, um, you're not doing your job. No, 100%.
0: What an amazing comment, Alyssa. I love that you brought that up. That's amazing. Uh, To be totally honest with you, Alyssa and I kind of had our own set of stuff that we wanted to come into today with. So I'm just really happy she brought that up. Um, So I think to start to kind of close this off, I would say the biggest thing that the biggest takeaway I could give you from a social and digital tactical standpoint this year is to really get real with your community and connect with your community. Um, there's a new app out right now and I don't have a ton of information on it, but it's it's really reminiscent of where the world is going as far as social media apps go um, and channels. And it's called Clubhouse. Um, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm not sold that this isn't just another kitschy, like, annoying channel that, that is going to create some sort of really weird cult following. Because you have to be invited to it,
1: which is also weird. Exactly.
0: But I will say that it's, it's very much like live conversational panel discussions, networking opportunities. So I would, I would really encourage everybody to select channels that encourage all of those things and that help us to connect as we would in person. Um, Just because as Alyssa was saying earlier, you know, as we get more and more into being online, because that's where we are right now, um, making sure that we're picking things that can help us really um, connect with our consumer is going to be so important and to help us tell our story better. So video platforms as much as possible. Uh, LinkedIn, honestly, don't discount LinkedIn. There's no algorithmic restrictions on LinkedIn. So your content's going to get seen probably 10 times more than anywhere else. Um... And use it responsibly. Uh, You know, be candid, tell your story, but still keep it clean, polished, and
1: professional. Agreed. Just look at this year as a complete refresh and um, a chance for you to sort of take a three thousand foot view of your business and your brand and how you can be a better, um, better world, like. Persons? Ambassador, just ambassador?
0: A ambas- I would say a better ambassador for diversity, equity, and inclusion, mm-hmm. um, and also just a better storyteller.
1: Yeah, and storytelling, storytelling, storytelling—that is the year in a nutshell. Exactly. But we will
0: link to some some great resources in our show notes, and uh, we'll catch you guys next time.
1: Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Ladies Who Launch. Join Dakota and Alyssa every second Wednesday for more conversations and interesting guests. Be sure to give us a five-star rating and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. If you send us a question, we may answer it on a future episode.